All right, so we're going to do something a little different. Um, so typically, obviously, the, oh, yes, four or five, get out of here. Go over that way, towards the tree. Perfect. All right, so we're going to do something a little different this morning. So typically in the month of November, the Thanksgiving month, right, we like to kind of give people a time that they can kind of give their testimony, uh, a time that they can uh, talk about things they're thankful for. And so um, Caden's going to run around. Don't run, literally. We had, we had uh, AJ do that earlier today. All right. He's going to go around. If you want to speak about, one, your testimony. Some people may have never heard your testimony before. Um, or if you just want to talk about something you're thankful for or both, um, please feel free to do that. Um, one of the things that um, I know for a fact that has led people to the Lord is just hearing other people's testimony. So with a group this size, there's clearly going to be someone who does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And so um, hopefully through this time of testimonies, this time of thanksgiving, we can um, just let all of us know how much we love Jesus. So I'm going to start. That way I can break the ice. So the first service, we had four people that were brave enough to do it. Let's see how many brave people we have in second service. So anyway, um, I was saved back in July of 2001. I was somewhere in my 20s, my very early 20s. And um, me and my wife always just talked about going to church. And we moved into our first house. And um, uh, our neighbor said, hey, do you guys go to church? And we're like, no. They were like, do you want to go to church? And we're like, yes. So we go to church, and we uh, go, and July 31st, uh, I accepted the Lord to, my, to be my Savior, or I accepted Christ as my Savior, and like two, three, maybe four weeks later, um, the pastor comes over, and he's talking to us, and that's when I found out Elizabeth actually got saved the exact same day. So um, what's super cool about there's two things. One, we got sa saved the same day. The second thing still holds true today. We just don't talk to each other. So we did not know for um, a month later that she got saved the same day I did. But um, anyway, uh, God has just truly blessed us um, more than I could ever imagine. Have we had Ups and downs, absolutely. We've had ups and downs. Uh, we've lost a house. We've lost two vehicles to foreclosure when the economy crashed in, in uh, 08. And so uh, we've, had, we've had our problems for sure. But God has always been there. And I always tell people, if Jesus wasn't in our marriage, I'd have been divorced a long time ago. Um, so Jesus has held that together for sure. Um, probably every morning I get up, he holds it together because I'm sure she wants to beat me. But um, anyway, I thank him for that. And then obviously I thank Jesus for Church on the Rock. We started Church on the Rock eight years ago. Me, um, John Lau, who was the planting pastor, were the first two. We met at a hotel in a conference center. And then Lucy showed up. And now you all showed up. So it's pretty cool to see what God has done through Church on the Rock and uh, what he has continually done. He's blown my mind. I definitely wouldn't think that in eight years we'd be having two services in a garage and just hanging out. So it's been really cool to see um, what God has done 
uh, in my life. And obviously, first and foremost, I'm thankful for my salvation. Secondly, I'm thankful for my wife. And then I'm thankful for my five rugrats, my five blessings. So um, I was ready to stop at one, and five later, here we are. So anyway, um, very thankful for them. And so that's kind of what we did on Thanksgiving was just kind of reflect as a family and with our other family about what God has done this year. And so um, this year, obviously, God has done great things here at Church on the Rock. Uh, He's done great things in our personal life as well. Um, He's blessed us financially and um, blessed us with a nice house and nice vehicles. And so I'm super thankful for that. But all that means nothing if Jesus didn't save me. So that's ultimately what I'm thankful for. So if you want to give your testimony or talk about something you're thankful for, raise your hand. Caden will come to you. And so you can speak in the microphone. And uh, anyway, all right. Good morning, everybody. Um, man, I've done a lot of praying on this for the last two days. Uh, I met couple of you guys last few four weeks if I get emotional I'm sorry um, I'll start off with saying you know what I am thankful for uh, my five beautiful children too um, <laughs> yeah I didn't want five either um, and it is a myth that what's one more no that's a very strong myth um, you know unfortunately my wife is not here but I still am thankful for her and the journeys we battled um, and just the ability to serve the community as a firefighter, you know, that was a blessing that I was received. Um, my testimony, um, let's see, <laughs> never really grew up knowing God. Um, veered off here and there. Um, lately, within the last three or four years, we've, me and my wife have hit real hard times. Um, struggled with drinking, um, addiction infidelity, adultery, all you name it. We've been through it. We've fought through it. Um, we've tried to band-aid it ourselves. It's not worked. Um, September 26 was my rock bottom. Um, I was arrested and uh, suspended from the fire department, which by the grace of God, I'm back to work with them. Um, I sat down two weeks ago it was actually three weeks ago. I, I texted Rashad, and um, it was weird. Coming here was honestly, by the grace of God, my best friend who is her mo- he, um his mom is right here, uh, Chris. He lives in Austin, Texas now, you know, and um, I don't know why he was here in town four weeks ago, five weeks ago. I don't. Um, I'm living with my roommate out of my home now, and we got to talking and he just told me to come, you know, and uh, it was one of them things. He already knew I had no plans the next day. I had no plans on Sunday, you know, so it was one of them things where I would feel like a real big dummy if I said no to him, you know, like, no, I'm not going to go to church. I'd rather just, like you said, lay in bed. I came here, and the church has opened me with open arms. Um, I sat with Rashad three weeks ago, and it was supposed to be an hour conversation, and it led to... (laughs) (laughs) Um, it led to three and a half hours later, and at the end of it, me actually accepting and wanting to accept Christ in my life. Um, 
Yeah. Um, I'm still struggling. Um, I'm still stumbling a little bit here and there, you know, and it's crazy because when I left, he said there'd be a huge X on my back, and I've heard a lot of talks of, you're not a changed dude, you know, you're not, can't do it, you know. Um, it was funny because I've never been baptized or anything, but when we were praying, and I've never known how to pray, like, I just, I always stumble when I pray, but it was weird because that day after me and Rashad got done, like, I just, I talked, like, I just asked him to, if we could finish praying, and then he, he, you know, he even prayed afterwards and said, selfishly, God, I want to baptize him, you know, um, I just, I ask if there's anybody, you know, I want to walk with you guys, um, you know, with everybody, just learn my faith, um, make this my home, and just, yeah, so. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> Thank you for that. That's awesome. Um, anyone else? Nick? I knew I could count on Nick. All right, I'm going to sit down now. Service is over. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. No, no, I'm going to be brief. I'll be brief. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, That's a Rashad statement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, we know, we know he's not lying, though, because he said an hour-long conversation. Three and a half hours? So That's he, he That's truly fact. knows Rashad. Yeah, that's a fact. All right. So uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, I was saved on January 11th, 2016 in a, in a jail cell. I gave my life to the Lord. Um, <clears throat> I was involved in a DCS battle at the time. Um, after I got out, I did everything I was supposed to do to get my kids back. A rough turn of events. While still walking with the Lord, I wound up back in jail. Uh, I didn't break the law again, so don't think that was part of it. But um, it just happened to be I was on probation, and somebody I was with got arrested. So uh, the judge decided to terminate my probation. Well, while I was in jail, um, the judge... Uh, that was over my DCS case, decided to file for the termination of my parental rights. And uh, so I went through all that. Uh, condition of my release, I was sentenced to live at the Kokomo Rescue Mission. I lived there for 10 and a half months. Um, wound up losing my kids in the DCS battle. Uh, that was, uh, you know, they say that, like he said, that there will be an X on your back after you give your life to the Lord. And Peter tells us that uh, if need be, our faith will be tested. So apparently, God thought my faith needed to be tested extremely hard. And uh, hopefully, hopefully I came out with a passing grade on that test. Um, you know, this is all God's glory and none of me. But now today, I am a licensed minister as of last week. Um, also, as of last week, I, I am employed at the same rescue mission that I stayed at as their night chaplain. Um, God can change your life if you let him. He's definitely changed mine. And uh, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for God and giving my life to him. So I just, I'm so thankful that that jail cell had that Bible on the desk when I walked into it. Because without it, I probably wouldn't be alive. Amen. One real quick thing, too. Uh, also, my oldest son here is one of the children I lost. But uh, the world said no, but God said yes, so now he's back with me. So that's just yeah. more, more testimony. All right. Anyone else? Anyone? All right, over here. 
Hi, I don't know if I've told the story before, but she, uh, 2011, she had two strokes that were back to back. They were within five days of each other. And the doctor said where she was was the best that she was going to get. She wasn't eating. She wasn't drinking. Her speech was really poor. And my grandma was walking in behind the doctors one day, and the doctor goes, I don't know who she knows. And my grandma goes, I do. Because now she walks. She's in her wheelchair not only when she's here just for safety. But she can walk. She eats without a feeding tube. She can drink. She does get choked every once in a while because she still has some issues. But she, everything that they said, I was told that she's only going to get back 50%. That's all they kept saying. We're only going to get halfway back. We're only going to get I said, okay. Whatever, God. It's, it's, it's you. But now she was on the feeding tube for like over a year, and they took it off. Her first thing she ever ate was a Reese's cup, by the way, so <laughs> without choking, ironically. So now that's her favorite thing. But uh, I just want to thank God because they did not think, first of all, they didn't think she was going to survive the second stroke. The first stroke she had while she was at work, and I, she didn't want to go to the hospital. And I said, okay, we'll just take you to the, e, the med check place. Well, then I pulled into the ER, and uh, they were like, they put her in ICU for a couple of days. They're like, oh, she's going to have some outpatient. The day that we were supposed to get out of the hospital, she had her second stroke. And it was me and the, the, the diabetic nurse that was going over stuff with her. And she was like, she's not acting right. And I said, so we was in the hospital for another week. We've been in the hospital, like, we was in the hospital for, like, almost a month. And she's been in, in and out of, she's been in a rehab center. And now she's at a nursing home so she can just keep getting, because they work with her and get her developed. But she's more than 50%. And she loves coming here, y'all. She loves all you guys. She, uh, some days I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, no, we're going. <laughs> so I work six days a week. So it's sometimes it's, I get tired and she's like, no, we're going to go. So, but she wanted to say that she likes being here. You guys have always been welcoming since day one. I remember the day that we walked in, we came in the door and Rashad moved the chair. And I said, that's the preacher. And he moved the chair. He didn't ask someone else to do it. He didn't delegate it. He didn't say, can someone do that? He did it. He welcomed us like he was one of the first people we saw when we came in the door. So that was really impressive to us because we've been to other churches where you don't even talk to the preacher sometimes. But here we talk to the preacher. We talk to the associates. And we talk to everyone. I mean, everyone's just so welcoming. So we just are so thankful that we found this place. All right. Anyone else? Jessica, I love it. I love it. Hey, you know what? You got this. Okay, so most of you, well, I know all of you, know Jeremiah. Um, he was, so my due date was July 21st of 2013. I was, see, I was uh, seven months pregnant and he decided that he wanted to come then. I had an abruption and it caused him to not be getting any air, no food, no nothing. And um, when I went in to the doc, when I went into the hospital, they told me that he wouldn't make it, that the, doctor, the doctors gave him nothing. Like they took him, they rushed him up to St. Vincent and they told me that I'd be lucky if he made it through the night. But 
two days later, he was taken off all feeding tubes, all oxygen tubes, and everything else. And I was sitting there in the hospital bed. And I could hear all the other babies crying, but mine wasn't there. So I was scrolling on Facebook, and a friend had posted a Bible verse. It was Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And I knew then that that was his name. And after he made it and was taken off all the tubes, they told me he'd be handicapped for the rest of his life. And here we are. <laughs> he is the most, he's funny, he's energetic, he loves everybody. And I know that if that it was God. It was all God. So then, like, fast forward, he saw me get baptized, and he said, Mom, I want to. I want to do it. And it was just like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's a feeling that I don't ever want to feel again. But he's made it, he's here, and he's Jeremiah. So... Sorry, I'm trying to see hands. I see it might be flying, but I don't know. So um, I'm going to try to make it through this. Some of you, Bobby, knows me and my friends that um, my father passed away last Sunday. I wasn't going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but what I want to say is he lives in Illinois, and we had decided to have Thanksgiving last Sunday. And uh, my father was the first one in church every Sunday. If I'd go there and stay, we'd have to be at breakfast at 7 a.m. Church didn't start till 9. We had to ride through the park, look for the deer, just our little thing we did. And um, so last Sunday, we had our dinner, and my father, we get there, and I'm like, Dad's not here. Like I said, he's always the first one there. He's always early. Come time for everybody had been there, he wasn't there, so we called the church family. We said, was Dad in church? And they said, no, he wasn't. And I guess the moral of all of this is, you know, God, God works in wonders. I wouldn't have been in Illinois. I wouldn't have been there. Um, sorry. His church family watched out for him. I got messages all day long from people who actually did not know that he had passed saying, hey, how's your dad? We didn't see him in church because he was there every Sunday. They had a joke. They were going to put his name on his pew. That was his pew. <laughs> he sat in the last pew every day. Um, but I guess, you know, the big thing is, is he loved his family. And he had been feeling sick all week but not telling us. And I'd had people reach out to me. And, of course, being three hours away, I could just call my brother and sister and we'd check on him. But I feel like God knew he loved his family and wanted us all together in the time of this. And he waited till that time. So I just want to thank God for having us all together. So, and he loved his Lord, that's for sure. So we know that he's um, happy where he's at now. Thank you. Not many people know me. My name is Ken. Um, when I was six years old, I ran to the altar 
I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. And uh, I had my hand in my brother's hand, and he was supposed to come with me. And uh, somewhere about halfway down to the aisle, he broke loose, and he didn't go. And uh, But then after that, you know, I was such a little kid. I was only six. I was I, I could never open the doors. I, w- I was always stuck. Once I got through, I was stuck there. And one time, my parents they let me go to the bathroom at church, and I couldn't get back through. And uh, out of nowhere, this man, this gentle person, opened the door, and uh, he let me out. And I went. I looked back to thank him, and he was gone. It was like he opened the door, and then he was gone. And I had been praying. I always would pray. I'd get like in filling station bathrooms and stuff, and I was so little I couldn't open the door. And and uh, I would pray. I would ask Jesus for help. And, I, you know, I learned all this in the Baptist church, you know, saved by grace and all that. And, and then I went and did what I did, and that was everything against the one that had saved me. And I ended up in a very dark place. Uh, there was just me, and when I began to pray, you know, when we get in trouble, we pray. And when I began to pray and ask the Lord to help me, because everybody on all sides, they wanted to kill me they, because of what was coming out of my mouth, because I had been reading my Bible, and I, I had gotten to a place where I was not going to, to do opposite. I knew the only way out, the way through the door that was still open spiritually for me was to confess the truth. And so I heard things, and they said, well, no, you got to, you got to say what we say. you got to do what we do. And I said, no, I'm not. This is what I'm following right here. This is the truth. And so in that very dark place, I, I was released. I, I had a number of drinking and drivings. And, and I, you know, I told God, I, I, I knew when he had pulled me out of there. He gave me a release at a, at a time when it was over. They wasn't going to let me live no more. And, and uh, I just thought, well, I'm going to. They're going to back me into a corner and it's going to happen, you know. And, and God pulled me out. He released me. And, and when I, when I uh, was on the way home, which was to nowhere, I had to go back to my parents' house at 30 years old. I'm 57 now. And that day I asked God, please take me now. Please take me now. Take me now. He, he wouldn't take me. And uh, to this day, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ashamed of the, the life that I lived, but I am here to glorify God because I know that my righteousness is because of Jesus Christ and the righteous life that he lived. I know that Jesus fulfilled the law. Amen. And I'm grateful and thankful for that. Amen. That's awesome. Anybody else? Right here. So I'm Emily, for those of you that don't know me, and uh, that's my little boy there, and I have a five-year-old stepdaughter in the back as well. Um, my testimony is ginormous, but I'm going to shorten it. So long story short, I grew up in church. I w- went to like a million different churches, and um, I knew I knew the role. I knew to be good. I knew to be praying, and I knew to encourage people. I need to serve in church, and I did all those things, and people were pleased with me, and that's what I craved. I craved pleasing people, and it it got kept me going. Um, 
So when I moved out, got independent, found myself, I found myself doing none of that, um, doing complete opposite, just really letting the world just wrap its arms around me and just absorb me. I just let it devour me. And I got to a point where I woke up one day, um, I had um, I'd moved out to California, and in my eyes, I had made it to the top. I was living two miles from the, the coast, you know, and I was living with a really great family, but I was so unhappy, and mentally, I was just, like, gone. I was my, everything, every choice I had made up until then had left me um, friendless, and I had pushed my family away from me. Um, and I remembered a Bible verse, um, I think it was Proverbs something, but um, God is a God of all comfort, and I wanted comfort so bad, and that clung to me, and I started reading the Bible, Bible app, you know, real easy. Um, and I looked up a church, went to a church, and the first, um, the first service that I went to, what happened to be the pastor's kid that preached that Sunday, because the pastor had crushed his ankle the night before, and so I'm sitting here going, oh, great, another PK up there on the pulp. You know, he thinks he's all that and everything. And I'm sitting here in church and just another church. And he goes, I mean, he, you know, he's dressed like he's popular and everything. He goes, first of all, I'm not your average preacher's kid. And I go, okay, <laughs> so let's hear it. And then he, he uh, shares his testimony where similar to mine, grew up in church, made bad choices, Lord brought him back, and he ties it in with uh, the prodigal son, and there's two sons, and I had always paid attention to the son that ran away and came back home, and the father praised him for coming back home, but I never paid attention to the second son who was there all the time, stuck by his father's side, and his father didn't celebrate for him, and I was always that person going, I was in church, and I was reading the Bible, and I was praying, and I was doing the Lord's will, and then I went through an entire year, January through December, where I lost someone special to me every single month, every single month, and I almost got through the end of December, and then another person passed, and I was like, I, I finally at the point where I was just so broken, like I had built up so much hate and anger towards God, and it came to my realization that I was that other son, that I was so angry at my God, my father, for, you know, whatever I came up in my mind. But he was never gone. He was always there. And uh, I waited a few other weeks to go to that same church, and I went, and the next, that just so happened, like the pastor had already preached during those weeks, just so happened that that preacher's son's wife gave her testimony as that sermon and also struck, heart, uh, struck me. Um, so anyways, I ended up getting saved out there at that sermon, the one where the, the wife um, shares her testimony. So obviously testimonies are very powerful. Um, so I ended up moving back home to California and then me, Adam, um, uh, he and I are having troubles getting pregnant and I'm told to a doctor like, hey, you can't have kids, you can't get pregnant. And um, we went through three miscarriages. Um, I started struggling with like trust with God and Adam kept saying like, you just gotta trust God. Like, you just gotta trust him. Like it's in his time. And, um, and I was like, I mean, I know he's right. And then kind of settled with me where I was like, you know what? 
maybe God gave me a stepdaughter because he knew that that's all I would be able to have. And I became content with that. I love her like she's my daughter. And, and I became content with that. As soon as I became content with that, I got pregnant with him. And there he is. He's alive. So that's proof that God exists, man. All right. All right. So I have a sermon prepared, and I got 11 minutes. So... Um, I, I did this on purpose because you never know how long uh, testimonial services will go. Sometimes they go longer than the 11 more minutes we got. So I did something I don't usually ever do. I manuscript this whole sermon this morning. Um, so I have it written down. So I'm going to fly through this a little bit. I don't really want to, but really a lot of you guys have spoken about what I'm going to talk about. So I feel like I, I was going to break it down and just kind of do points and do some, some text if it went long. But I, I think it's going to do the in, injustice if I don't at least get everything out that um, God laid on my heart for this. So I'm going to kind of fly through it. So stick with me here. Um, but if you guys want notes or anything, I will send the whole entire manuscript to you if you need it. If you guys got lost or didn't follow or something, just let me know. Give me your email, and I'll be more than happy to email you the whole manuscript of the sermon. But anyway, so the sermon, I'm calling it gratitude, uh, thankfulness for what God has done. And so... Um, Anyway, obviously, there's more testimonies. I know some people don't like getting up and crying in front of people. I heard two people already say that. And so I get that. I understand that. Um, but um, anyway, if you ask anyone one-on-one, -on -one, I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll share their testimony with you. Uh, we have more than that. Um, anyway, you're going to, to be in the scripture first, Leah. So uh, real quick, there are two types of people in this world. Um, me and my wife are definitely complete opposites. Who here um, has... Uh, when their car gets under half a tank, they freak out. If it gets to quarter of a tank, oh my gosh, there you go. See, that's, this is my wife. And if that little yellow button or dial or whatever thing comes on, all craziness breaks out, right? I need to get to the, and so, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, the yellow light is on. How much further can I go? So um, that, right? So that is definitely me. And, um, you know, as I was thinking about it, and I don't, she's not here, so I could, well, she is here. She's in another room, but she, ain't, she didn't hear this. But really, in all honesty, it's probably better to make sure that you at least got to have a tank in case of an emergency situation. You can jump in your car. Um, you don't have to just leave. Um, we have someone in this room right now that a couple weeks ago was like, hey, man, um, I'm on the highway. I'm out of gas. So they clearly live that way. And so... Um, I keep an extra 15 gallons of gas in my garage for these moments because it probably happens more than I want to admit, but it does happen. And so uh, when they called, I had a five-gallon jug, and we went on and filled them up, and away they went. But uh, anyway, I'm definitely the guy that likes to play the, the yellow button game and see how far I can get. Uh, the little car will say, you got 40 miles to empty. I'm like, I can get 45. So um, anyway, that's just me, but uh, it sometimes does not work out for me, and my wife just makes fun of me. So anyway, that's how gratitude works. So 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, give thanks in all circumstances. So give thanks in all circumstances that we face. So we're going to talk about Luke 17, 11 through 19 really quickly. Um, 
we're going to talk about the, the ten lepers, and we're going to talk about the one that came back out of the ten. So, real quick, Scripture says in Luke 17, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was, now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, uh, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for uh, this brief time we have together. Lord, I thank you so much for all the amazing testimonies. Lord, we thank you for those who recently accepted you as their personal Lord and Savior. We, we thank you for... Um, those, Lord, that um, come to the realization that uh, that they needed you, and Lord, that something that happened this morning, a lot of what was talked about here, this, this second service was healing. We were all healed, Lord, with our sin, and you healed us, and Lord, you restored us, and Lord, we just ask that you'll be with us. Lord, I pray that in this quick uh, sermon that uh, you'll be heard, and Lord, that we will see the five parts of this passage that you would have us to see. Lord, we thank you. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, number one, Jesus, thank you for not being too busy. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now, if you read any of Dr. Luke, I like to call him Dr. Luke. I don't know why, but I do. If you read a lot of him and see what he's saying, one of the main things he starts talking about is how Jesus is trying to get to Jerusalem. He's trying to make it there. In, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, he says um, in that scripture, on the way to Jerusalem, all right, on the way to Jerusalem, he is going. And the days drew near for him to be taken up and set his face to go to Jerusalem. So he was going to Jerusalem for what? Crucify, okay? He's going there to be crucified. So I don't know about you, but I can be very easily distracted when I have something on my mind that I need to get to, all right? Jesus, most likely at this point, walking to Jerusalem knows what's coming right? He knows it's probably a month or so away. He knows he's got to die on the cross, all right? And he still stopped. He still stopped to talk to the lepers, all right? So I don't know about you, but when I get preoccupied, it's bad. Like if I'm at work um, and I'm doing something and I'm either like reading my computer or I'm sending an email or I'm texting or something crazy, I've had a guy come in, talk to me for 15 minutes. I look up and I'm like, when'd you get here? It's like I just had a 15-minute conversation with you. Yep, didn't even know you were in the office. So, you know, we get so preoccupied sometimes. And here Jesus is about to willingly go down across for us. He's clearly got to be preoccupied by thinking about everything that's about to come his way. And he still stops and talks and takes up and listens to these guys. And then um, as he goes, oh, I went way far. Here we go. All right, so as he's going, he listens, and one of the coolest things I think when you think about this, if you ever study leprosy and the issues with leprosy, one of them are they're hoarse, right? Hi, help, 
Okay, so imagine Jesus has his caravan, he's heading, and he still hears them call out to him. I have a guy sitting in my office talking, I don't even hear him, right? And here, these guys can't hardly even get out, and Jesus hears them, and he stops, and he talks to them, all right? So thank God that he's never too busy to answer any of your prayers, remember that. He's always available to answer your prayers. Never think Jesus is too busy not to talk to you because he isn't. All right? Number two, Jesus, thank you for answering prayers of mercy. All right? So I was trying to be Rashad. You know, it never works well. But anyway, I don't talk as long as he does. But anyway, verse 12 and 13 says this. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers. He stood at, the di- at a distance, and, lift- and they lifted up their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So I looked up the, the Greek for mercy, and a 1980s song came up. What is the song called? I can't say it. What is it? Kyrie Ely by Mr. Mister. Anybody know that song? All right. So I'm like, let me listen to this. I'm like, man, I've heard this when I was a kid. But that song, so I look into it a little bit more, and that song basically means Lord have mercy. It means the emotions aroused by contact with the affliction which comes undeservingly on someone else. All right? Now, I want you to mentally highlight that word undeservingly because we're going to come back to that in a minute. But for now, let's think about these lepers. They hadn't done anything to get leprosy. All right? It wasn't something that they went and got on purpose, okay? They like, Ooh, let's go get some leprosy, all right? It was something they did not want, but here they are. They clearly have it, and now um, they're there, and it says, Jesus, let your emotions stir up by this affliction, which we don't have, but we don't deserve, and so in Matthew nine twenty seven, I want to talk about this real quick. It said, um, it says, two men, or two blind men cried out to Jesus for mercy, and Jesus healed them. In, Matthew's, in Matthew 15, a Canaanite woman begged for mercy for her demon-possessed daughter. Jesus cast out that demon. In Matthew 17, Jesus had mercy on a boy with epilepsy. Jesus wasn't blind, demon-possessed, or epileptic. But none of these people deserved their afflictions either, and Jesus healed them. All right? So then... Um, we're going to go to Luke chapter 18 real quick, and um, this is about the tax collector and the Pharisee, and this is, this is good. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. They're in the same room, people. All right, and he's calling him out right to his face. Um, in verse 12, I fast t- twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. You see, Jesus doesn't uh, just show mercy to people who suffer undeservingly. He shows it to those who bring it on themselves as well. Um, so... I don't know what to even really say to that, except for Jesus is awesome. Um, Isaiah 30, 18 says this, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. And Daniel 9, 18 says, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation. And the city that is called by your name. 
For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Daniel 9, 18. Um, every time someone calls out for mercy in the gospel, it is given except for one example in the Bible. A couple weeks ago, we heard the story about Lazarus and the rich man. And they're there, and Lazarus is poor, doesn't really have anything to eat. He's outside the rich man's gate. The rich man is being prideful and boastful, wearing purple linens. He's doing all these things, and then they die. All right? Verse 24, he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to, to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in these flames. Once you're dead, it's too late. All right, God has given you more opportunities than you probably want to know to accept him as his Lord and Savior. I know when I was a young boy, uh, I was one of those bus kids that went to church. I didn't really listen. I was only there because they gave me snacks, and obviously I like snacks. So um, I went, and I didn't listen to anything. And then finally, when I was 21, I came to the realization I needed a Savior. But Jesus gives you more than enough opportunities here on earth to accept him. Once you're dead, it's too late. It just is. And so that is the one time Jesus will not show any mercy is once you have passed away. Because when we're here on this earth, one of the things we are to do, obviously, is get saved and then tell others about it. All right? As we go through the week, I always, always challenge my youth and obviously want to challenge you guys. If there's an opportunity to speak to Jesus or speak to someone about Jesus, take that opportunity. All right? Rashad went to talk to somebody for an hour, and three and a half hours later, he was done. All right? Always take the opportunity to tell people about Jesus because we are who we are because of Jesus. All right. Number three, Jesus, thank you for keeping the law perfectly. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And they went their way. Well, sorry. Uh, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Uh, this seems like a minor detail to you, but uh, when they went, they were cleansed. Jesus told them to go follow or go to the priest because that's what the law said. In Leviticus 14.2, it talks about the how to cleanse a leper, basically. So it was super complicated. So um, it says in Leviticus 14.2, it was clear that on the day a leper was cleansed, he was to be brought to the priest. Then the priest would command that a sacrifice would be made. And there was a complicated ritual that had to be followed before the leper was pronounced clean. There's several different things in this. But when Jesus says you're clean, you're clean. You don't have to go through all that stuff. But anyway, Jesus was still being obedient to the law and told them to go to the priest. And then in Matthew 5.17-20, it says this. It says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen, will be any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus didn't take any shortcuts. Remember that. All right? We're real good about being lazy about stuff. But remember, Jesus did not take one shortcut. He told everyone everything they needed to hear. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, that righteous for the unrighteous, in order that he might bring us to God. 
being put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Whew. All right. Number four, Jesus, thank you for showing mercy to foreigners. So this one hit me a little hard. Um, you know, when you're, when you're out witnessing and when you're talking, we use all kinds of excuses, right? I can't talk to that person. They don't speak my language. Um, they're a different skin color. They're, they're homosexual. We'll use any excuse not to talk to someone. Now, these people had lepers. They were outcasts. No one talked to these people. Not only did Jesus talk to them, but he healed them. And so when we're going out this week and there's someone that's different than us, right? You guys get all those robocalls, right? I promise. Talk about Jesus, they'll hang up on you, okay? Just tell them you're a Jesus lover and you'll probably get hung up on. But take that opportunity, all right? If they try to sell you car insurance, tell them you own a Clydesdale. They hang up. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But anyway, tell them about Jesus. That's a perfect person to practice on. Perfect person is someone that calls and tries to sell you something you don't need. Say, well, I'll tell you, I'll sell you something you do need, and it's free. All right? So um, that's the perfect way to practice is to tell people, especially those who are calling you. They're calling you. Talk to them. Talk to them. It's a perfect opportunity. You're not door knocking. They're already there. So talk to them. Let them know that uh, Jesus loves them. Uh, I remember we went to Mexico a couple years ago, and if you've never done that, that's a treat. All right, you get off right on the tarmac. There's no beautiful airport that you get to go in. But I remember going in, and I remember it say Spanish people, uh, Spanish speaking people this way, and foreigners this way. Like they just called us out right there. They were they weren't playing. So they separated us instantly when we got there. Okay, these people we like. These people we want their money. So they completely separated us. And I thought, well, that's weird. I'm here to spend my hard-earned money, and you guys are separating us. But anyway, do not. Do not not share God's word because someone is different than you. All right? That, that will be a sad day in heaven when you're sitting there and Jesus shows you all the opportunities and then tells you why you didn't do it. And if you say it because they were foreigners or different than you, shame on you. One of the things I said last week and it's so true to me is a lot of Christians only know how to love through hate. And what do I mean by that? They'll bash somebody. They'll be the holy roller or the Bible beaters, and they'll just hate on people. Instead, show them the love of Jesus and see what the love of Jesus would do with somebody's heart. Um, so many times we do it wrong. And then number five, uh, Jesus, thank you that you both heal and save. Verse 19 says, and he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And so um, as the worship team comes up, and as we prepare uh, for invitation, I want you to really reflect on your life. I really want you to reflect uh, what God is doing in your life. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you got to do that first. I can talk to you all day about everything, and it doesn't mean anything until you know him. All right, hopefully if you are here and you don't know Jesus, the Holy Spirit is convicting you and you feel the nudge that he's given you. Don't let the squeaky microphone that just happened pull you away from the conviction of Jesus Christ. Because I promise when you make the leap and believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it'll be the best decision you ever made. 
It won't, your life won't be perfect. Don't buy that, don't buy that lie, all right? Because I promise you it won't be perfect. You'll have troubles. I don't know if I said this one already in this service, but if I didn't have Jesus, me and Elizabeth would not be together anymore, I promise. But because of Jesus, he has got us through a lot of tough times, a lot of tough times. And so um, don't ever believe that lie. When you're saved, everything's perfect. Yeah, right, all right? You get a big X on your back, all right? We heard that twice today. You get a big X on your back. Um, there's another person that's here that's going through that. They've become more faithful to church, and they're down because that's how the devil works. He's attacking, attacking, attacking. So be ready. Be ready to fight that battle. So let's pray. Thank you guys so much. Um, I'm going to read Acts 4.12 real quick, and then I'm going to start praying. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by man which you must be saved. And that name is Jesus. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, I know we rushed through that, but Lord, I, I'm okay with that. Testimonies speak louder than, than sometimes preaching. And Lord, I thank you for the men and the women that were brave enough to stand up. Lord, I thank you that they were willing to share their story. Lord, I thank you um, for my story. Man, when I think about it, when I really think about it, Lord, I cannot believe what you have done. Lord, I thank you for um, my wife and my children. And Lord, I thank you for every person that you have given me the opportunity to witness to every person that I've gotten to speak to about you. Lord, I just ask that as we leave here today, where we can just really, really reflect on our life. And Lord, I pray that when we reflect that we see you in all aspects of it. But Lord, I pray that if we reflect and we don't see you, Lord, that that person would come to know you. And Lord, if they know you already, Lord, and they have, they have walked away, backslidden, whatever you want to say, Lord, I pray they notice that and they come running and screaming your name again. Lord, I just, I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I thank you for the time uh, that you have given us this morning. Lord, we just, we just love you and we thank you for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
I said this first service. Me and Tyler never talked about the message today, and that song just goes so well with that. He holds on to us, and he'll never let go. Even when we're in our darkest ditch, he's still holding on. All right? Let's pray. Thank you guys for being here. It's snowing outside, which is kind of cool. It's kind of turned into a little rain now, but anyway, it was snowing. All right? Hey, if you feel conviction, don't let, don't let it walk with you out that door. Talk to somebody. All right? Tell them you need to pray with them. All right? Somebody will pray with you. I promise. I'll pray with you. Nick will pray with you. Dave will pray with you. Dave over here will pray for you. All right? Don't leave if you guys need prayer, okay? Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we, we thank you for this time that we could just be here, hear these testimonies, hear your word, hear the, the worship team singing. Lord, we just, we just thank you so much. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for what he did uh, on the cross. Lord, we just thank you uh, for his love for his people. Lord, I just pray that as we go out this week, Lord, that um, you'll be with us. You'll give us an opportunity to, to witness to somebody uh, on your behalf. Lord, I just pray that if there's one here that does not know you, that before they walk out the door, Lord, they'll, they'll come to somebody, ask, uh, talk to them, ask them to help uh, them in any way they can. Lord, I just, I just love you. I, I thank you so much. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.